Radio. Welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs like you build the wealth and lifestyle you deserve. My name is Nicholas Jensen, bringing you the secrets behind the relationships, strategies, and mindset of the most successful people on the planet. Showing you how to collapse time frames in order to win at business, money, and the adventures of life. You don't know what you don't know, so I'm here to show how the wealthy live, think, and make their money grow. It's time to live the life that you deserve. I'm, I'm here to help. My, my name is Nicholas Jensen. And, and this is Unlimited Wealth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast. This is Nicholas Jensen. So today I want to talk to you about uh, leveraging capital. I was reading a book by Bill Bonner called Family Fortunes. And in that book, it the book's about family offices and how family offices are structured and how the wealthy really perpetuate their wealth from generation to generation. And in the book, he talked about um, capital. And so I wanted to talk about the four different types of capital that were mentioned in, in that book and how we can apply and leverage those same concepts uh, into our own lives. So the four that he mentioned were human capital, number one, intellectual capital, number two, organizational capital, and then finally, financial capital. So I'm going to go through each one of those. We're going to discuss how we can leverage those types of capital into our own lives. So the first one, human capital. Obvious question is, who do you know, right? Who do you know that you can leverage to help you get your business or your finances or your health or your relationships to the next level? Like who do you know? And, and not in a manipulative way, uh, you know, not using individuals, but who do you know that's maybe a step or two or, or a year or two ahead of you that you can mimic, you can model, can maybe even ask questions to and have a conversation with on how to uh, get to the next level. So that's number that's number one under human capital is, is who do you know? And sometimes, you know, from this perspective, it doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be somebody that you know personally, but it could be a friend of a friend that makes an introduction. It could even be an individual that is producing a lot of content. Maybe they've written a book or they have videos that you can learn from them and figure out what it is that they're doing that you can apply into your own life. And then a second piece of that is it's important to, to have people that you know, but what's more important, especially from a business perspective, right? And, and a, uh, getting a, a, uh, an investment deal done perspective is the question is, who knows you? From sales and marketing, from a sales and marketing standpoint, it doesn't matter who you know. What really matters is who knows you, right? Because if people know you and they know what you do and they know the value that you provide to the world, they're going to be more likely to want to do deals with you. They're going to be more likely to want to have a relationship with you. They're going to be more likely to want to do business with you. So it's it's extremely important to to create a strategy in your life so that you're getting your message out there. If you own a business, you're obviously marketing, you're marketing your business and you're trying to get your message out there to the, to the marketplace on the value that you can provide to them. And by the marketplace, knowing who you are, they're willing maybe to do business with you, right? So you've got to make sure that you're in a position that people know who you are. Some great, I mean, it, when you think of examples of this, just from our standpoint today, Gary V is a great example of a guy that if you say his name, most people know who he is just simply because he has gotten his message out there. You know, Robert Kiyosaki 
in kind of the, the circles that, that I run in, he's a big name because, because he's written some books that have shifted the paradigm of the way that people think and, uh, about business and finances and investing. So, so he's a guy that's really gotten his message out there. Probably one of the master marketers of all time is our current president, Donald Trump. Like him, hate him, whatever, that doesn't matter. But from a who knows you standpoint, he's an individual that has been a master at positioning himself in a way that people know who he is. So you, when it comes to human capital, it's important to, to get yourself in a position where as many people know you as possible so that you can essentially do business with them. And then the third piece is, this is, is more deep than just who knows you, but who are you creating relationships with or who do you have deeper relationships with? An example of this. So this is something that uh, I don't want to say I struggle with, but it's not something, it, it's not my strong point, right? Like I'm more of an introvert. I'm totally happy, like doing my own thing, being by myself. I don't need a, a ton of friends. I don't need a ton of relationships. But I recognize the value of, of having relationships. So I have to, I don't want to say force myself, but I have to make a conscious effort to try to build additional relationships. So an example of that is, you know, I go to the gym every day, same gym, obviously, and most of the same people are there uh, every morning. And there's a couple acquaintances in that gym that I just casual conversations. I don't know them well. They don't know me well. But just casual, through casual conversations, we found out that we both like to, to mountain bike. And then he's got another friend that I kind of know that likes to mountain bike as well. Long story short, they invited me to go to Southern Utah in the next couple of weeks to go mountain biking with them. Now, that is a conscious effort on my part. I accepted the invitation, but it's a conscious effort on my part to build relationships with individuals that I simply don't know that well simply due to the fact that we've got a common interest and I see the value of having more relationships in my life, more, more deep relationships in my life so that I can see if I can provide value to that individual in some way. Maybe they can provide value to, to me in some way, or maybe I know somebody that can help them or their business or help them and their family, whatever the case may be. I don't know what comes of that relationship in five or 10 years, but just the simple fact of being willing to go out, maybe go out of your comfort zone a little bit and establish or deepen those relationships is, is super valuable. When I was, uh, this brings up a, another story in this regard as I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was referencing another individual that was just a master at creating additional relationships or deeper relationships with, with individuals. And his strategy, I was asking him, like, you know, he doesn't seem like a super outgoing guy. Like, like, what does he do? Like, what's his, how does he make these connections with, with individuals? And his strategy was, he's like, you know, he just goes golfing with him and he refuses to talk business while he's golfing with, with individuals. So he tries to make it a point to go golfing with different individuals on a frequent basis and refuses to talk business. He's just simply there to get to know them, to get to know their their life and what they do. If they ask him what he does, he'll obviously disclose what he does for a living, but he absolutely refuses to talk business while on the golf course. He just simply wants to build relationships with people and see what he can do to add value 
to their lives, not necessarily from a business perspective, but from all angles of life. So that is a long-winded assumption or a long-winded viewpoint from an individual that needs to do a better job at this, but just giving you some examples of what other people have done. So that's human capital. Who do you know? Who knows you? And then what are you doing to create additional relationships in your life? Number two, intellectual capital. This is what do you know? What are you professionally trained in? Or what do you just have a natural ability to do that can add value to other individuals? Oftentimes we think about what is easy to us is no big deal. But that oftentimes is also very valuable to somebody else, right? Maybe something that comes easy to us, you just kind of brush it off as, you know, everybody knows this or everybody knows how to do this, but that's extremely valuable to, to somebody else. I'm um, an example of this is I grew up on a small farm in Idaho. Obviously, I had my dad and my, my uncles and my grandpa, they were, they were all very uh, handy, if you will. They could, they could just do a lot of stuff, especially my dad. He can basically build anything. And so I just naturally picked up on some of that. And then when I got into college, I started doing some construction and I know my way around tools, right? And, and, I, and I can build stuff. That comes very natural to me. I've got a buddy that that does not come natural to him. He can buy a piece of furniture from Ikea. And we all know when you buy furniture from Ikea, all the holes are drilled, all the bolts are there. It's kind of like Lincoln logs. Like you just put it together and bolt it together. He buys stuff from Ikea. This happened one time, but it's super, super funny. So he bought a piece of furniture from Ikea and he calls me and he needs a drill. And I asked him, why do you need a drill? He's like, well, I'm putting this piece of furniture together. I'm like, didn't you get that piece of furniture from Ikea? And he said, yes. I'm like, look, if you need a drill to drill a hole in a piece of furniture from Ikea, you do not know what you're doing. So that's an example of something that comes very easy to me isn't necessarily easy to somebody else. So when you think about your life and you think about what it is that you're good at, ask yourself, what do I maybe brush off? What is so easy to me that I think it's invaluable to other people? Because that's probably the thing that can add a lot of value to to other individuals in which you can now leverage that intellectual capital. So that's number one under intellectual capital. Number two would be, what are you learning, right? So and I stated in my last podcast, I'm not a huge fan of formal education or our education system at this point, but I'm a huge fan and a huge proponent of education as a whole, self-education, learning from people that have come before us, uh, really passing on or really understanding how to do things and, and what needs to be done, not necessarily paying a bunch of money to learn something that, that isn't useful. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of education and I actually get wrapped up in this sometimes because I love to see what other people are doing. I love to see what other people are doing that's working for them. So I consume a lot of, of information, videos, articles, podcasts. I just consume a lot of information because it's super interesting to me to see what other people are having success with. But with that said, I always pick one or two things every year in which I want to dive deeper into to learn more about. So for example, this year, one of the things that I'm diving into is copywriting. 
I don't have uh, any experience copywriting, but I see the value of being able to write good copy. So this year, that's one of the things that I'm focused on is really learning how to become better at copywriting. So once you have that, or once you're learning those new skill sets, then you can start to leverage those skill sets. And if you've got the right relationships around you, other people around you should be doing the same thing in which maybe they're gaining a skill set that you could leverage from them by hiring them or getting some consulting from them or something like that. So what are you learning? And then the next one is what do you need to know? So we all know there's gaps in what we're trying to do, meaning that I know today, everything that I've done in the past, I already know how to do because I've done it. But the things that I want to accomplish in the future, I don't necessarily know how to do. So there's gaps there. There's gaps in knowledge. There's gaps in like the know-how, right? So identifying those intellectual gaps and saying, okay, how am I going to fill them? Where am I going to learn that stuff myself, leverage my own ability? Or am I going to leverage somebody else's uh, intellect? An example of that would be an attorney, right? I'm not going to go learn the law to put legal papers together for an investment deal or a business or anything like that. I've got a very high level overview of what it should look like, but I'm going to leverage somebody else's intellect. So that's a gap for me, right? And it's not something that I'm going to go learn or go to school for, but I'm going to leverage somebody else's intellect, make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are put, or all the T's are crossed and I's, I's dotted. I kind of muffed that up, but you know what I mean? That's a, that's a, the third thing is what do you need to know? So under intellectual capital, it's what do you know? It's what are you learning? And then what do you need to know? The third thing is organizational capital. Are you organized? Is your life organized? Not just your business, but your personal life. Are you an organized person? Now, we were actually at dinner. My wife and I were at dinner with some friends last week. And one of the question came up was, who do you know that is extremely successful but a complete train wreck when it comes to organization. And as we kind of rolled this through our minds, we were able to identify some people that maybe struggled in the organizational piece, but they weren't complete train wreck. Like you don't know any, I don't know anybody that's extremely successful that when I, I open the door to their car, like it's just, it looks like a hurricane went through it or you go into their house and it's just completely, a complete disaster. Most successful people have their crap together organizationally. Now, if organization isn't their strength, they're leveraging other people or systems to help them be organized. So the very first thing when it comes to organizational capital is you. You've got to be organized. Yourself, your personal life, your business, your health, your finances, How are you organized and what are you doing to stay organized? Do you have an, if that's a struggle for you, do you have an assistant that can help you stay organized or are you leveraging technology? There's tons of tutorials and videos and courses on how to use uh, like Google calendar or, or outlook to stay organized. And as long as you can honor your commitments to yourself, when you put something on your calendar that you're going to stick to it and you're going to accomplish that then just having a calendar system to help you stay organized is extremely valuable. But if you struggle with that a little bit, then 
it's probably more appropriate for you to have an assistant or especially in today's shared economy, getting a virtual assistant is, is super easy, right? That can, that can help you stay on top of things. So organizationally, make sure you yourself are personally organized. However you got to do that with either an assistant or technology, or that's just a, a strength of yours. But then the second piece of that is your business the organizational structure of your business. So you never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, did I say never, want to hire somebody because you think that you just need an extra body. You just need some help. What you need to do, even if you're a one-man band, you have to create an org chart within your organization that isn't just lining out who reports to who or whose title is whose but a chart that actually defines the roles within your business. What roles need to be accomplished in your business to drive revenue, to move your business forward, to acquire more clients, to take care of the clients that you have, to implement marketing initiatives, to implement sales uh, initiatives, that type of organization. So it's not who reports to who, although it will show that, and it's not who has what titles, which it will show that, but it's what roles are in your business that need to be filled. So starting from ground zero, let's say that you're a one-man band, internet entrepreneur, and you're everything from day one. Well, you would fill out that org chart and you would define all the roles that you need inside of your business that need to be fulfilled. And you would define within each of those roles, what are the specific things that that role is responsible for? What KPIs are they uh, accountable to and what goals are they responsible for? And you would put your name in, in every one of those boxes. And then as you grow and you're to the point where you just need more help, it's a matter of saying, okay, who am I going to put or what role am I going to offload? What role am I going to fill? And then you find the person that can fill that role. You don't just find somebody and a warm body that can help you do whatever, but you find somebody that can actually fill that role because what's going to happen is a marketing individual is going to be very different from an accountant or a bookkeeper, right? Bookkeeper is very logical. Uh, marketing is very creative. If you just did a blanket overview of people, right? So marketing is going to be more creative bookkeeping is going to be more logical. So when you put people in these roles, you want to hire to people's strengths, right? It doesn't mean no good to put somebody that's completely creative in a, in a bookkeeping role just because I need a, a warm body and vice versa. No, it doesn't mean no good to put a bookkeeper in a marketing role just because I need a warm body. So what you want to do is you want to hire for roles and, and keep your organizational, your organization very structured and what roles need to be filled, what the, those KPIs are that they are responsible for, and put the person that can fill that role in that spot. Uh, one way to do this or one way to kind of hedge your bet in doing this is making sure that you're having individuals fill out personality profiles before uh, you interview them so that you know what their, their strengths and their weaknesses are and to see if they would, uh, they would be a good fit for those roles. So that is organizational capital. So one, you've got to be super organized yourself. And then number two, you've got to make sure that your organization, your company is organized properly and that you're putting people in the proper roles. The last piece of 
capital is financial capital. In looking at businesses and my experience in business and other individuals I've, I've talked to, one of the absolute key pieces of running a business successfully is cash flow management. Now, our current accounting system doesn't do a great job of allowing you to manage cash flow correctly. So when you look at gap accounting, what is it looking for? Well, it's it's looking for reporting what happened. It's really to report to the IRS, this is what my business did. It's not good for, hey, this is the capital that I have coming into my business. Where is it being allocated? And how do I make sure that, that it's being allocated appropriately? So it's absolutely vital to have a great cash management system. So growing up, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, I rodeoed growing up, right? So I was around cattle a lot as a kid. And one of the things that you do when you're sorting cattle is you put all the cattle into a holding pen. You bring them all in from the pasture and you put them all into one big holding pen. So one big corral. And then you start to sort that cattle individually. So you start to pull one cow at a time and put that in a different corral depending upon what you need to do with that livestock. So I actually do the same thing in my business. Revenue wise, I bring all the revenue that's coming into my business and I put it into a holding account or a, it's just a bank account. And that's where all the income comes into. Once that income's in there, then I start to distribute that income in the way that I want it distributed. So the very first thing I do right off the top is I take profits for the business, put profits in a, an account. And then I take uh, owner's compensation. So I pay myself and I put that into an account. And then uh, I take taxes. I don't want Uncle Sam knocking on my door. So I, I put a percentage away for taxes and I put that in an account. And then what is left over is operating expenses. So it's a very easy way for me to, one, know that my business is profitable right off the bat because I'm taking profits off the top. But two, from an expense standpoint, I know very easily if our expenses are bloated because that expense count, what is left over, my business has to run within that expense, within whatever is allocated towards operating expenses. If in any given month, there is more expenses than I've allocated for that, I know that we need to at least address it or look at it and see if there was an anomaly that month or if this is a trend that we need to uh, cut our expenses back. So that's the way that I do it. There's a million different ways to do it. I would recommend just keep it as simple as possible because balance sheets and profit and loss statements are absolutely important. But again, they tell you what happened. They don't necessarily tell you what's going to happen and how you're going to make that happen. And what are you doing with the revenue or the capital or the revenue that's coming in when it does happen? And that's what cash flow management is because cash flow is vital. You can have cash in a business, which is good, but if you don't have cash flow, you're dead in the water at some point. Like you've got to have cash flow coming in and that cash flow has to be managed properly. So financially, you want to make sure you have a great cash flow management system in. And then the second thing is, uh, where are you holding your investment capital? So we as a society have been trained or we've been conditioned to lock our investments up into some type of an account. So government's government supported retirement accounts, uh, 401ks, IRAs, that type of stuff. That's kind of what we've been conditioned to do as a, as a um, society. But when you look at wealthy individuals, 
they have their money in places in which they can take advantage of opportunities. They may have some money in some of these other places, but uh, the bulk of their resources are in places in which they can take advantage of opportunities. So whether they're buying a new business or expanding their business or taking a piece of a, a real estate investment or something like that, they have their cash in a, in a holding account. They have their cash sitting somewhere in which they can take advantage of opportunities that, that come their way or opportunities that they are seeking out. So you want to make sure that you structure your investments and you've got a strategy in place in which you've got access to your capital without penalties, um, in which you can access it easily and take advantage of any opportunities that may come your way. For me personally, one of my favorite places to hold capital is a high cash value life insurance policy. Um, I'll probably talk about the details of that in a future podcast, but the reason that I love it is my money is safe, it's growing, and then I can leverage it and use it at any time with very, very little hassle to getting to it. So when you look at investment strategy, you want to make sure that you are putting your money in a spot in which you can take advantage of opportunities, especially as a business owner, because there's opportunities for you to grow your business or take advantage of capturing market share or, you know, even buying inventory at a discount if you've got capital on hand. But if you've got it tied up somewhere else, it's super hard to take advantage of those those types of things. So with that said, when you when you're looking at opportunities, the next thing is you've got to look at your investment rules. So what types of rules are you following or have you put in place for yourself in order to invest properly? Everybody's got different risk tolerances, everybody's got different goals, objectives, things of that nature. But you want to make sure that you structure your investments properly. So when you look at these big family offices and the way that they structure their wealth. One thing that you see over and over and over again is they're typically heavily invested in things that they know. Oftentimes it's a family business or something closely related to a business or an industry that they've been in for for a long time. So you've got to create rules for yourself and say, okay, what is it that I'm looking to invest in? And what are my rules around those investments? So for me in particular, I love real estate. I love buying real estate. I love investing in real estate. And so I've got certain rules around what types of properties that I'm looking for and what types of returns I'm willing to accept for those properties. Now we're in, a, in an economy right now in which real estate prices have really been driven up because we're in this huge expansion period of the economy, except for this week. It's interesting that, that I'm talking about this week because this week is the the uh, stock market has had the wor- its worst week since 2008, which is not surprising because we're due for a correction or a crash or whatever whatever, whatever you think is going to happen. I, I think it's going to be uh, tra- tragic is probably a strong word. I think it's going to hurt quite a bit when, when the market does crash. So Long story short, we've been in a long expansion period. Real estate prices have been driven up. It's very, very hard to find deals according to my criteria because I'm looking for certain types of properties with certain returns. Now, are other people, am I passing on deals that other people are taking? Absolutely. Am I going to miss opportunities because of that? Probably, but but that's okay because I also know that this isn't going to last forever. And I also know that a lot of those people are going to be 
stuck holding the bag when the market corrects simply because they're newer to investing or they've been sold a bill of goods by somebody that this is going to last forever and their margins are so tight that when things correct they're going to either be feeding those alligators or they're going to have to you know liquidate at a loss or, or whatever the case may be so will i miss out on opportunities absolutely no question guarantee i'll miss opportunities but am i going to avoid some train wrecks yes i will avoid some train wrecks and my position is when things do correct and some of these people are in a bad spot and they've got to liquidate some of these properties, that's an opportunity to go in there and to try to get some deals that I may not be able to get right now because it's just harder and harder to, to find deals. And th that's kind of a blanket statement, right? Because it also, from a real estate perspective, it depends on where you're looking you know, location, 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 geography, you know, you can find deals in, in the Midwest versus, you know, coastal lines, at least for, for my criteria. But the main point is when you look at your investing strategy, what rules do you have for yourself? What types of deals are you looking for? When are you looking to get in? When are you looking to get out? Make sure that you have all that defined. Make sure you have an allocation of how much capital you're willing to invest in certain types of deals. Uh, when you look at business and real estate, it's probably a better idea to have more, a larger portion of your portfolio in those types of investments. When you're looking at alternative assets, you know, maybe a little bit uh, smaller portion of your portfolio. When you're looking at stock market speculation apps, assets, an extremely small piece of your portfolio should be in, in those because the risk is just, you have a lot less control and the risk is, is super high. So uh, those are the types of capital that you can look to leverage um, when you're looking to build wealth in your life. So you're looking at human capital, intellectual capital, financial capital, and organizational capital. So that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. See ya. If you want to learn more about me, you can visit my website at www.nicholascjensen.com or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Nicholas Jensen underscore. That's at Nicholas Jensen underscore. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform because you do not want to miss out. We'll see you next time on Unlimited Wealth.